Well, welcome to Emmanuel. How are you this morning, church? Happy New Year to all of you. If you're joining us at any campus, Franklin Campus, Banta Campus, or our online campus, we want to welcome you as well. We are starting a brand new series today called Make It Stick. I always love this time of the year. Does anybody else love the first of the year, beginning of the year? Just get all kinds of excited. It's like this opportunity to start over. You get a clean slate, a blank canvas, and it's, it's, it's almost like hope rises up inside of you. And you get all excited about what, the possibilities of, of changing your life. In fact, over half of Americans now set New Year's resolutions. That's about 150 million people in America do that. If you're watching online in another country, I'm not sure what's going on in your country, but here we, we get excited about New Year's resolutions. How many of you have actually set New Year's resolutions this year? It should be about half of the crowd today at some level. And uh, some of you are not really wanting to put your hand up. That's okay. You know, when you look at these different lists of New Year's resolutions, they're usually filled with things like this. You know, I want to, this year I want to spend more time with my family. Or, or this year I want to finally quit smoking or, or something like, you know, this year I want to learn that new skill or, or learn that, that musical instrument or, or the language. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after Spanish this year, whatever the language is you want to learn. Or, or maybe you're like many people and you just want to get more organized. How many of you are like, this is the year we're going to get the closets, you know, organized, maybe the garage. And it's, it's just that, you know, that time of the year where we want to maybe just get things fixed and change some things in our life. Some of us are looking for a little bit more intimacy in our life and, and maybe, you know, in your marriage or, or maybe you're not married and you, this year you'd like to get married and, and, and finally tie the knot. I don't know what it is. For some of you, it might be you want to read some more books. You know, this is the year I want to get into some of those books I've been wanting to read. Others of you, you finally want to maybe move out of that apartment and get the house and, and finally make the commitment and buy a home. But the top two New Year's resolutions on any list that you look at, any list, and you know what they are, top two, they're always there. I want to lose the weight, right, 10, 20 pounds, or we'll get in shape, whatever it is, and I want to save more money. We get so excited about this around this time of the year. Here's what's crazy about New Year's resolutions, and U.S. News has just reported this. About the second week of February, six weeks in, most people fail. 80% of New Year's resolutions fail. Is that depressing or what? Some of you are like, that's why I don't set them anymore, okay? Because I've learned my lesson. I fail every year and I don't even get involved with that anymore. I'm not sure that's necessarily the right perspective, but I understand it for sure. In this series, what I want to do is talk about how do we make those changes stick? Like how do we follow through and create lasting change in our life. The title of our series is How to Make It Stick or Make It Stick, but how do we do that? Before we get into the, the, the first principle I want to talk about today, also, I want to make mention of the fact that we're doing a 21-day fast to go along with this series. Now, biblically speaking, a fast is denying yourself food for a certain period of time for a spiritual purpose, okay? That purpose could be getting an answer to prayer, it could be changing something inside your life, or, you know, it could be getting more clarity for your life. A fast is something that helps us alter our, our lives. And, and you don't have to necessarily fast from food. And then the, biblically, that's, that's what a fast is. 
Uh, sometimes people do a total fast, so that's no food for 21 days or whatever. If you're going to do that, I would recommend that you talk to your doctor before. Uh, by the way, this starts tomorrow, the fast, so, so you have some time to think about this. But, you know, some people do like a, a Daniel fast. That's biblically, that's just fruits and vegetables. Um, and some people do a different type of fast, sort of like a, a social media fast. They'll give up Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever, Snapchat for 21 days. And then some people will do other types of fasts. You know, some people will just, you know, get rid of caffeine. I tried that last year, and I did it, but I think it was from the devil. <laughs> so I'm not going to do caffeine again this year. Actually, I'm going to do caffeine this year. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Might up my dose a little bit, but, uh, but, you know, so there's different types of fasts that you can do. In fact, this year, my fast is going to be no sugar. So today's my last day, so tonight I'm going to have a big banana split with all kinds of syrup. No, I'm not going to do that, but, but starting tomorrow, I'm going to have no sugar, uh, no processed sugar for 21 days. And so I want you to be thinking about that. Why would we do a 21-day fast? Here, here's what happens when you fast. Watch this. Ready? It alters your rhythms and your patterns and your state, your state of mind, your physiology, it makes you feel different and you start to think different. And that is so critical when you're trying to make changes in your life. See, the, the changes are hard because we get caught up in patterns and rhythms. Well, a fast just basically messes with you. It moves you. It shakes you. And it gets you to feel different and act different. And that is often the catalyst that we need to make lasting change in our life. And so be thinking about what you're going to fast from. It starts tomorrow morning whenever you wake up, and it'll go for 21 days. Now, let's get into this first principle. There are actually four principles on how to make a resolution stick. Today, I want to talk to you about the principle of vision. How do we make it stick? We make it stick with a compelling vision, a compelling vision. What is a compelling vision? It's a picture of the future that produces passion and energy in your life. Andy Stanley's a pastor in Atlanta, and I love this, what he said about, about changing your life or creating lasting change or making it stick. He said, everybody ends up somewhere in life. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. Those are the ones with vision. Think about that with me. Powerful statement. Everyone ends up somewhere in life. Only a few people end up somewhere on purpose. Those are the ones with vision. The principle of vision, a preferred future, a compelling picture of the future. That's what we need in order to make it stick. You know, when I read the Bible, and I read the Bible every single year, I started again this year. Today we're in you know, uh, Genesis chapter 6, Matthew chapter 5, and I just go through it every single year, 365 days. I, you know, I cannot get away from, from recognizing that one of the most passionate, one of the most energetic one of the most unstoppable, other than Jesus, characters in the Bible was the Apostle Paul. His endurance, his perseverance, what he was able to accomplish, the things that he did, he literally changed the world. He wrote 14 letters of the New Testament. You, I can't even count them all. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Philippians. I mean, the guy was a beast. He lived in beast mode before people knew what beast mode was, Okay. He, by himself, he planted, scholars tell us, 20 churches, not counting the churches that spun off from the churches that he planted in his lifetime. He was so unstoppable that Nero had to cut his head off in order to stop him, and that's exactly what he did according to tradition, just like they did to John the Baptist. He was unstoppable. How did he do all that? Like our church today, 2,000 years later, we are here because we are sitting upon the shoulders and the work that God did through the Apostle Paul. That's a true statement. 
Think about that. 2,000 years later. Wow. How did he accomplish that? It goes back to this principle of vision. Some of you know the story. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22. You can read it when you get home. He's on his horse one day. He's focused on throwing Christians in jail. He's this dedicated Jewish man. He's a member of the most strict religious sect called the Pharisees. He hates Christianity. He thinks it's a threat to Judaism. So he is a terrorist in every sense of the word. He's going into people's homes, dragging them out, Christians, and locking them up, and sometimes overseeing their punishment, even their death. His name was Saul before he met Christ. And one day he's on his horse. He's on his way to arrest some Christians, throw them in jail, and he gets knocked off his horse, literally. This bright light shows up and Jesus speaks to Paul directly and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you're persecuting. Get up and go into the town and you're going to be told exactly what to do. So sure enough, he goes into town and God spoke to another man named Ananias uh, in a vision. And he told Ananias, there's a guy named Saul. I want you to go pray for him, lay hands on him. You're gonna, he's going to get his sight back because Paul was blinded by the light for three days. Sure enough, Ananias reluctantly goes because he was scared of Saul. Everybody knew that Saul was the guy that arrested people and oversaw their torture and even their death. He says, are you sure, Lord? He says, yes, I'm sure. Ananias goes, prays for Saul. And this is what Ananias said. This is what Jesus told Ananias to tell Saul. Listen to these words. The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, capital R, capital O. He got to see Jesus that day on the road and to hear his voice and to hear him speak. And this is what Ananias said. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. And Saul was like, game on, let's go. I've got, I know the will of God. I know who the true, the true savior is and I know what he wants me to do. So he went all out and dedicated his life to planting churches and writing letters and spreading the good news of the gospel. In fact, at one point, Paul wrote his life mission statement in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He said this, but my life is worth nothing to me. It's worthless to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus that day on the road of Damascus when he showed up and knocked me off my horse. And this is the work, the work of telling others about the good news of the wonderful grace of God. And he dedicated his life he was in beast mode until they cut his head off doing that very thing. Wouldn't it be awesome tonight if you went home and there was a, a bright light in your bedroom and you heard the voice of Jesus articulate exactly what you were supposed to do for the rest of your life? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if that happened to you tonight, if that happened to me tonight, wouldn't you wake up the next day and just be a complete beast? Wouldn't you? No, am I crazy? Like I would, like if I heard the audible voice of God and he said, Danny, do this with the rest of your life. Like, whoa, let's go, you know? That's the principle of vision. When you have a compelling vision, nothing stops you. Like the changes last. It all sticks because you have a picture of the future. That's the power of vision. Dr. David Banfield of Harvard University said this, after 50 years of research, long-term perspective, having a vision for your life, the next two years, five years, 10 years down the road, was the most important determinant of financial success and personal success. 
The most important factor in my success or your success in achieving our goals or making it stick is having a long-term perspective. Napoleon Hill, many years ago, was charged by Andrew Carnegie in the early 1900s. Andrew Carnegie was the wealthiest person to, to ever live, essentially. His money in 2014 would be worth about $375 billion. That kind of dwarfs Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, just to put it in perspective. Andrew Carnegie said to Napoleon Hill, I want you to take as much time as you need and study the most successful people in the world, and I want you to write a book and put all the principles in the book. So he went out and studied Thomas Edison, people like Henry Ford, and many, many others. He consolidated that book into a book called Think and, Go Rich. Think and Grow Rich. This is what he said in that book. There is one quality which one must possess to win, and that is definiteness of purpose. The knowledge of what one wants and a burning desire to possess it. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about vision. He's talking about definiteness of purpose, long-term perspective. Like, what is it that you want in your life? Like, one year from now, where's your life going to be? How do you want to look, feel? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? That's how you make the changes stick in your life. Helen Keller said this. She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Spoken from a woman who lived most of her life blind. The only thing worse than being blind is having the ability to see, but no vision for your life. Why? Because everybody ends up somewhere in life. Only a few people end up, end up somewhere on purpose, and those are the people with vision. Without vision, where's your life going to go? You have no target to shoot for. You're going to drift. You're going to wander. You're going to end up places you don't want to be. As a pastor, unfortunately, I have the, this position where people come to me and they often say, Danny, I, I don't know how I ended up here, but we're getting a divorce. I don't know how, I don't know how it happened. I, I could tell you. There's no vision. Danny, I don't know how, the, how this happened, but financially we're, we're drowning in debt and we can't pay our bills and I lost a job and I don't know how we ended here. I, I could tell you, no, no vision for your financial life. Well, Danny, I don't, I don't know how I ended up here. I'm 50 pounds overweight. I just got diagnosed with diabetes. I have to take all these pills for my blood pressure and this and this and this. I don't know how I ended up here. I, I could tell you, you have no vision for, for your health. Here's how, here's how the Bible says it in Proverbs chapter 29. In case you're wondering, does the Bible teach this stuff? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no prophetic vision, when, when we fail to hear what God wants to do in our life and what's he, what he wants to create in our life, people shrivel up and die. They run wild. They go in all kinds of different directions. There's no focus to their life, and they get nowhere, and eventually we fail to reach our potential, and we live with a ton of regret. Do you see how important vision is? Eugene Peterson recently passed away. He's the author of the message. He, translate, he translates Proverbs 29, 18 this way. He says, when people fail to know what God is up to, they stumble all over themselves. Wow. How important is vision? Can I ask you a question today? Serious question. Like, what is your compelling vision? Like, have you, t I'm not talking about resolutions. I think we should set resolutions. I think we should, you know, have goals for the year. Absolutely. But beyond that, like, what's the picture of your life a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? That's where the power is. That's how we make these changes stick in our life. When we have a picture of the future that we want to achieve, someone we want to be, something we want to do. Is this making sense or am I talking nonsense? 
Where there is no pit vision, the people perish. We need a vision because making it stick is hard. I mean, I don't know if you've been in my shoes. Maybe you have, but... Every year I have this same resolution and, and, and it's to write a book and, and many of you know that. And, 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 and I, I, every year I get excited around this time of the year, January. This is the year I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be an author. And, and it's been that way for 10 years. And I try and I fail and I try and I fail. And sometimes I make progr- more progress than others. And, but it, it hasn't happened. And, and I'm like, oh, how do I make it stick? You know, I want to make it stick. I want to be an author. I'm excited right now about it. I think it's going to happen this year. <laughs> I have no evidence to prove that whatsoever, okay? Other than my excitement and hope. But I had a friend who published a book about three years ago. We were about in the same spot and I didn't have a book and he didn't have a book. And then now he has one and I, he gave me a copy of it for free. How nice. And, and I asked him, I said, well, I come, I come here. Okay, we both were at the same spot three years ago, two years ago, whatever. You didn't have one. I, how did you finally, you know, get this thing done? And he, you know what he said to me? Short story. He said, you know, I just locked myself in the basement every night for months. And I said, there's the secret. I don't want to do that. I don't want to lock myself in the basement. I like Netflix too much. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? I mean, I like, you know, the designated survivor. Have you seen that show? I mean, it's really good stuff. Like, I don't want to be in the basement every single night. So he has a book and I don't. It's that simple. Like making it stick is hard. We have these bad habits. We've got, we've got to create new habits. We have to eat food we don't like. One of my New Year's resolutions this year is to eat vegetables every day. And, and I just can't stand them. I mean, you could, put, you, you could put like hummus on broccoli. It still tastes terrible. Like it's just, but I know I need vegetables, right? It's hard to do these things. Plus we have people in our life that hold us back. You know, we want to make progress and we set goals and then, but nobody around us wants to support it. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You know, like I want to eat healthy and there's like brownies and chips everywhere in the house like why do you people buy this stuff you know you're working against me in fact I think it's your fault that I'm failing you ever do that blame shifting right but in my adulting series I said you couldn't do that so I try not to blame but but it's sometimes you feel like it's their fault because you got people forces working against you internally externally listen it is hard to make these things stick that's where the power of vision comes in Because if the vision is compelling enough, if it's clear enough, you will push through any obstacle, any hurdle, you'll jump, you'll climb any mountain because it's like the, the thing has become a must. I must do this. That's the power of vision. Recently, I came across a guy named David Goggins, absolute psycho. Here's a picture of him. I don't think I've ever heard of a dude like this in my life. Freak of nature. David Goggins is perhaps one of the best ultra athletes in the world. Here's what that means. He runs these these things called ultra marathons, which is any race beyond 26.2. Normally, they're 50-mile races, 100-mile races, 150-mile races, foot races, by the way, not bikes. 200-mile races, 135-mile races. He has finished over 60 of these races. Absolutely. Many times he finishes in the top five. Many times he's finished, uh, several times he's finished in in the number one slot. Unbelievable athlete. One year, 2013, he decided that he wanted to break the Guinness Book of World Record for pull-ups. Who would have thought that? I don't know. I wouldn't have. Would you have? Let's try to, I mean, who thinks that way? Freaks do, right? Like, Like Psychos do. 
So in preparation for the, uh, for the, for the, the event that day, he did 67,000 pull-ups in, I think, four months. On the day of the event, he did 4,030 pull-ups in 17 hours and won the Guinness Book of World Records. Now, since then, somebody has beat him out for that, and he no longer holds the record. But just, I just wanted to give you a picture of how psycho this guy is. Oh, by the way, he became a Navy SEAL. Didn't, I, forgot, I was gonna, almost forgot about that part. So there's that whole thing, you know. And I was thinking, how did this guy pull this off? At one point in his life, he was, 300, he was 297 pounds. He lost 106 pounds in three months. And I started looking, listening to his story. And his book is actually number two behind Michelle Obama's book right now. And I would recommend it, but every other sentence he uses the F-bomb, which... Your pastor, that's hard for a pastor to recommend. <laughs> but the story's good. The story's really good. <laughs> I started to list, like, how, how did this guy, how did he become this? He was a 297-pound guy working for Ecolab spraying, spraying restaurants for cockroaches and mice and other vermin. That was his job at 24 years old. And just really headed nowhere. And one day he told a story, amazing story. He says, I'm in this restaurant and I'm rattling around in the kitchen and I'm spraying for cockroaches and I hit this, the, he must have hit a nest or something. And the cockroaches started to fall out of the ceiling <laughs> through the vent onto his head, shoulders and head. And he doesn't have a thing for cockroaches. He hates them, right? So he says, he, and then he looked down at the floor and he noticed the floor was moving. Remember the scene in Indiana Jones, right? Remember that? And some of you are millennials, you haven't seen that movie, but say so they used to make real movies years ago. But anyway. <laughs> just kidding, there are good movies today, sorry. They're just cartoons like Spider-Man. Anyway, okay, okay, okay. Um, so the, so the, he says the floor is moving with cockroaches, falling on his head, and he just, he realized that night that this is my life. I'm 24 years old, I'm 297 pounds, and this is, this is what I will do for the rest of my life. And, and he went home that night, and he said, I, you know, he wanted to quit his job, and he turned on the television, and the Discovery Channel was on, and it was an episode of, about the Navy SEALs. And they were showing the hell week that they go through. You know, they're, they're, they're in the water. They're carrying logs. They're carrying boats above their heads. They're doing sit-ups. They're soaking wet. They're running. And, and some guys were ringing the bell. And when you ring the bell as a Navy SEAL or in hell week, that means you're done. You quit. You know, you're out. And then he was watching some of the other guys. And they, they wanted to quit. And they wanted to quit. And they would not quit. And he said that night watching the Discovery Channel, he, he saw a vision of what he wanted his life to be like, the person that he wanted to be. It was the guy that kept going. It reminded him of a scene that he loved in Rocky, chapter, uh, Rocky 1 when, when, when Rocky was fighting Apollo Creed and Rocky's just getting his brains beat in in round 14. Some of you know what I'm talking about uh, years ago. We used to watch these movies. And, and, and Apollo thinks he finally knocks Rocky down and he's in his corner and he's cheering and he thinks he's won the fight. And he turns around and around count seven or eight, Rocky gets up. Even Mick is telling him, stay down, stay down. He gets up and Apollo turns and he looks and he, he goes like this. And he cannot believe that after that butt whooping that Rocky just received, that he got back up again. 
And he married those two ideas of what he saw that night on the Discovery Channel and, and round 14 of Rocky One, and he saw a vision for his life. He was gonna be the guy that never stayed down. And so on his first 100-mile race that he did not train for, <laughs> he was trying to lose the weight. He was, you know, he, he started calling people, I want to be a Navy SEAL. They said, look, you're 297 pounds, we can't take you. You have to lose 106 pounds in three months. So he, so he decided he had to run a lot to do that, so he signed up for this race. Around mile 70, without training, his body started to shut down, like he was dying. His kidneys started to fail, he was urinating blood. He broke all the, all the small bones in both of his feet, they were broken, because he weighed 297 pounds. He made the terrible mistake of sitting down. And so here he is, he's in a lawn chair, and he's gotta go number two. And his body's just shutting down, and he sees the porta potty, it's about 20 feet away, and he can't move. So he has an accident. So now, he's urinating blood, he's got two broken feet, and he's got poopy pants. I mean, this is not, and he can't get up. His fiance at that time said, if you don't get up and start walking, you're going to miss the time. So he got up because he didn't want to be that guy. He wanted to be Rocky. He wanted to be that Navy SEAL. He wanted it so bad. It was the vision that compelled him to get up and he started walking. He walked for about seven or eight miles. His fiance said to him again, if you keep walking at this pace, you will not make the time. So he started to run and he ran the last 19 miles to finish the 100 mile race. Did I tell you he was a psycho or what? This is the power of vision. Let me ask you a question today. What is your compelling vision? That you will not be able to, to, to make it stick. There will be no lasting change. You will give up. You'll throw in the towel if there's no compelling vision of the person you want to be. I don't care what the resolutions are. This is true for me. It's true for you. we got to think through, like, God, like what, what is your vision for my relationship with you in, in 2019? Like if you don't have clarity on that, the type of person you want to be, the type of prayer life you want to have, you, do you want to have answers to prayer? Do you want to feel him close to you? We just did a whole series called God With Us. Do you want to sense him with you in the valley, in the wilderness, in the fight, in the, on the mountaintop? Like you have to have clarity on that. What is your vision for your personal development this year? Like, you can't just set resolutions. you got to be, like, what type of person do you want to be in 365 days? Do you, what, kind, what new skill do you want to learn? What language do you want to improve on? Like, what classes do you need to take? What conferences do you need to go to? What books do you need to read? What podcasts do you need to listen to? And you, you just create that vision for your personal development. What about your career? Your career. It's not just going to get better because you're there, because you show up and clock in. Like, what is your vision for, for the occupation you have, for the job you have? Are you passionate about it? Most people go to work, they go to a job that they hate because of a paycheck. Is that what you want for the next 25 years of your life? What's the vision for your career? Do you want to make an impact in this world or do you just want to exist? You have to have a vision. What about your health? So many people just take it for granted. They just let it go and then one day they end up somewhere and they're sick. They said, how did I get here? You got there because you didn't have a vision for your health. Here's my vision for my health. It's very simple. It's not about looking good. Sometimes it is to my wife, okay? I want her to be attracted to me. Is that bad to say? Okay, it's not, okay? You know what I'm talking about. But it's not about that. For me, mostly, it's about having energy, 
God has called me to be a pastor and a husband and a father and, and I can't do that without energy and so I need to put the right things in my body. I need to exercise every day. What's your vision for your health? What's God saying to you? What's God's vision for your money and your finances? If you don't have a vision, listen, people perish. They end up somewhere they don't want to be. Like every single day we touch money. Every single day it comes into our hands, it leaves our hands. It comes into our accounts, it leaves our accounts. What's your vision for? If you don't have a vision for it, you're going to end up like every other American, it seems, in thousands of dollars of debt, no plan, no impact with their finances. Where do you want to be in one year financially? How much do you want to give away? How much do you want to invest? How much do you want more do you want to make? And what are you going to do with it once you make it? What is your vision for your financial life? What about your friendships? Your friendships. So many people just take it for granted. They gravitate towards people because of acceptance or whatever, but they have no clear vision. Your friends ought to be encouraging you and lifting you up and helping you to become the person that God has created you to be. You can't just hang out with people because they accept you or like you. Not a good plan. We become like the people we run with. Have you noticed that? We're the average of the five people who are closest to us. What's your vision for your friendships? What about your relationship? Marriage, maybe you're engaged. What's your vision for that? It doesn't get better just because you're in a relationship. We never stay in neutral. We're either, we're either progressing or we're getting worse. I'll share my vision real quick with you for, for, for my marriage. Two, it's two, there's two parts to it. The first part is I want my wife to be able to say to anybody at any time, anywhere, that my husband makes my life better. That's just real simple. He's a blessing to me. Like, I'm a better person because he came into my life. That's it. That's it. And so I live with that in my mind. Like, I want that, that to be true. And so what can I do to help her life be better? What can I do to be a blessing? And then secondly, the second part of the vision for our marriage is that it goes beyond just her and I. Like we get, we get, you know, fulfillment from each other most times, most days. Like we like each other and there's, there's, a, there's a go back and forth and we're like, oh, we really like each other. But beyond us, what do we want to do? Well, we want to be a blessing to our kids and our church and our community and to our world financially and through different ways. And so I have to have a good marriage in order to be a blessing to people. If I have a bad marriage, I can't. I have nothing to offer. What's your vision for your relationship, your marriage. What about family? What's your vision for your family? I want to send my children out into the world ready to make a difference. Unselfish. We're trying so hard. One's 17, one's 15, one's 14. They're getting ready to leave the nest. You know what I'm talking about? And the only way they're coming back is if they pay market rent. No deals. Okay, market value rent. Um, I'm serious about that. <laughs> the perp successful parenting is to launch, launch you out. But before then, I got to make sure that they're ready. Like, they're, like when they go into a marriage, that they're mostly unselfish, that they're ready to serve and ready to help and be a blessing to people and have character and integrity and they can be trusted. Like that's my job. That's our job as parents. Like that, what's your vision for your children and your family? Like you have, it doesn't just happen because you're a dad. Oh, I'm a dad. I guess, you know, I'm a mom or whatever. No, you have to have a vision for it. A picture of the future, a compelling picture of the future that produces passion and, and gives you the energy to keep going even when it's hard. What about adventures? What about adventures? You need to have some fun in life, right? 
Last year, my wife turned 40. She still looks like she's 20. It's amazing. And, and, and we, we decided to go on a, a little, uh, not a little, it was a big cruise. We'd never done it before, and it was a bit of a, a, an adventure for me, <laughs> for all of us. And I'm not necessarily one for the water. I, when this, this movement doesn't do well, I don't do well with that. Anybody else? It's, ugh, I can't even feel it now. Anyway, we went on this cruise for her 40th birthday, and, and I'm telling you, my family had a wonderful time. We planned it out. We celebrated. It was so much fun that this year, as we were thinking through, you know, the future and we creating a vision, like what are we going to do as a family? What adventures are we going to take? We decided to do another cruise. And so we're starting to plan that already. And, and, and why? Because it was, it was so much fun for our family to go to different places and be on the ocean and see the sunrises and the sunsets. It was just wonderful. What adventure? Like these things don't just happen. You have to plan them out. You have to have a picture of the future. What is God's vision for your life? Where there is no vision, the people perish. I don't know who said it, but I love this quote. If you cannot see it when it's not there, then it will never be there. That's the principle of vision. Everything's created twice. Once in the mind, once in the heart, right? Once internally, and then it's created externally. That's the principle of vision. And that's the first step in making our resolution stick. My challenge to you this week is to grab a pen, take your notes. If you're using your iPhone and you're the app, you can get it there. And try to clarify a vision statement for each category of your life. Get your small group involved. Talk to your small group. Share your vision statements with them this week. Because without a vision, the people perish. Where where certain people end up somewhere in life. Only a few people end up somewhere on purpose, and those are the people with vision. So I hope that you'll take some time and do your homework this week and create that vision. Now, as we wrap up today, I know that there's some of you, I've mentioned relationship with God, and, and, and that's, that's foreign to you, and that's not something you've done before. And Wouldn't it be awesome, wouldn't it be awesome if 2019 was the year, first month of the year, you decided, okay, I'm going to begin a relationship with God. I've put it off for so long. I used to go to church years ago, whatever, whatever. I've given up on it, but 2019, I'm going to start. Fresh start, clean slate. I'm going to begin a relationship with God. Not join a church. I love our church, but not join a church, not join a religion, but begin a relationship with God. See, the same vision that God gave the Apostle Paul that day on the Damascus Rose when he knocked Paul off the horse and said, hey, listen, here's the deal. You're going to tell others, you're going to tell others about the wonderful grace of God, the good news. That's the same vision we have as a church. The good news of the gospel is simply this. You can live with God right now. Jesus Christ came to this earth to die on a cross. Three days later, he rose again to remove the barrier. The barrier between you and God was sin. Jesus took care of that on the cross. He died for our sins so that we can be in a relationship with him. Not join a church, not join a religion, but to have fellowship with God. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the good news. And when you step into a relationship with God, all of a sudden what becomes possible for you is strength and joy and peace and the ability to forgive and overcome temptation and have strength for living and face into your battles and have a constant companion. Yes, go to heaven when you die. That's all included. But having God with you right now, that's the good news. That's the best news in the entire world. And maybe today for the first time something's clicked. 
And you want to do that because it's a fresh start. It's a clean slate. I'm going to say a simple prayer. Take these words, make them your own. Step into a relationship with God right now. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Will you pray with me? Just say this to him. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to have a fresh start, a clean slate. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to remove the barrier, to forgive my sin, to wash me and to cleanse me from every sin, every wrongdoing. And so I ask you to be my savior. By faith, I step into a relationship with you. I trust you. And from this point forward, guide me, direct me, give me clarity for my life in all the different categories. Show me your plan for 2019 and for the rest of my life. I give my life to you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer, our church would love to celebrate you right now. Amen. Come on, guys, nice and loud. There's nothing greater in the whole world than when a person puts their faith in Christ. If you trusted Christ, our church would love on your way out. There's tables down here to my right and my left. If you're in the foyer, you can come inside, grab one of these. If you're watching online and you trusted Christ, there's a box there that says, I trusted Christ. Put your address there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. The reason we give out these Bibles is real simple. We believe as you read God's word, as you take it into your heart, it literally transforms you. It changes the way you think. It changes the person that you are. So please grab one of these on the way out.